<laughs> All right. Wow. This mic is hot. Good morning. You can hear me now, can't you? Be careful what you ask for. All right. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for this opportunity for us to come together as a community to worship you, to be in your word, and to uh, just grow deeper in our relationship with you. Lord, we ask that you would just continue to fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we might be bold and loving people for you, and that um, we might be encouraged through this message this morning. Please let it be your words and not mine. In your son's name we pray this. And all God's children said, amen. Amen. Uh, Good morning. Today is the eighth message of our sermon series entitled Radicalis, which Pastor has been telling us means being deeply rooted. It's the Latin root for root. Last week, Pastor Pastor talked about being radically merciful. And this week, we're going to be talking about radical presence, specifically living radically in God's presence. And the whole sermon, in 30 seconds or less, is this. Living radically in God's presence is the cure to the loneliness that we all might experience from time to time. Because in His presence, we experience a relationship with Him, a Christian community, and the power to love and serve others. And, and I, I thought that point was so important that I have it right up there at the very top of your message outline. You can fill in the blanks if you so desire. To begin unpacking that statement, I'd like to begin with the word loneliness. Uh, here's the deal. Everybody experiences loneliness at some point. It's just a fact of life that at some point we'll be alone and may experience that emotion. A story is told of an elderly couple that went to the state fair, and they happened to see this helicopter ride that had been an attraction for several years. Well, uh, this elderly couple, we'll call them Fred and Ethel, Fred always wanted to ride on the helicopter ride. But every year, when he would ask Ethel, she would reply to him the same way, saying, well, you know, Fred, that ride is expensive. It costs $50. And you know, $50 is $50. The next year, the same thing happened. They went to the fair, and Fred saw the helicopter ride, got real excited, and Ethel said, well, you know, Fred, that ride is $50. And $50 is $50. The next year, Fred got a little bit more crafty. He started talking about he didn't know how much longer he had and how it would just make him so happy to ride on that helicopter ride. But Ethel, unswayed, said, well, you know, Fred, that helicopter ride is $50, and $50 is $50. Well, the helicopter pilot happened to overhear them talking about this and decided that he would make things a little bit more interesting. He walked straight up to him and said, I tell you what, I overheard you guys' conversation, and I'd like to make a bet with you. I'll bet you uh, a free ride in the helicopter. You can ride in this helicopter for free if you don't make one peep while we're up in the air. And Ethel thought that was a pretty good deal, so they all climbed into the helicopter and it rose into the air. And this pilot pulled out some of the craziest stunts he'd ever pulled. He was doing uh, flying upside down and loop-de-loops and all sorts of aeronautical maneuvers. The whole time, he didn't hear a peep out of the back seat. Sure enough, he landed the, the helicopter and turned back to Fred and said, well, I didn't think that y'all would be able to do it, but I didn't hear one peep out of y'all in this back seat. And Fred looked at him and said, well, you know, I almost said something when Ethel fell out. (laughs) But $50 is $50. (laughs) Now, obviously, that's the wrong kind of loneliness to experience, and I hope none of y'all ever experience either Fred or Ethel's side of that. Really, there's two types of loneliness. Uh, there's healthy loneliness and there's unhealthy loneliness. Uh, healthy loneliness is just when we need to be alone to have some time to focus or recuperate, and that's perfectly good and normal. 
Uh, the unhealthy kind of loneliness that I'm going to address in this message, though, is the kind of loneliness that gnaws at your sense of self-worth, that really makes you wonder if people care about you at all. <clears throat> uh, in fact, statistically, it's probable that most of us have experienced this kind of loneliness at least once. According to various university counseling services, uh, almost everyone experiences either loneliness or depression because of loneliness at some point. The truth of the matter is, for you this morning, if you're feeling lonely today, take heart, because you're not alone even in that experience of loneliness. There's other people who are experiencing it with you. Now, you all know how much I love stories and storytelling. Another story is told of a man named Elijah, who followed God with his whole heart. Uh, in fact, he heard God's voice directly, was a prophet of God, and brought the word of the Lord to the highest-ranking political authority of his day. <clears throat> uh, one time, Elijah prayed to God, and the Lord rained down fire from heaven to consume this water-drenched sacrifice in a showdown between the one true God and a false God to prove that the one true God really was who he said he is, truly the one true God. <clears throat> well, the king... Uh, of that day wasn't too happy about the results of this showdown because the king had been worshiping the false god and so it made him look bad so he decided instead of repenting and turning towards the one true god that he was going to go ahead and just kill Elijah obviously so <clears throat> Elijah had to get out of town he fled to the mountains to hide in a cave and out there is where he cried to the god cried out to god with a prayer that comes to us from first uh, kings 9 verse 14 I'm going to read it for you. There he, Elijah, came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, have thrown down your altars, have killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek to take my life away too. And the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a cloak and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him again that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, have thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away too. Man, and you and I thought we had problems. Here Elijah is crying out to God saying, God, all these people who used to follow you, all of them are gone. And I'm the only one that's left. And if you don't do something quick, I'm not even going to be around for long. That's some deep loneliness. And King David, the writer of many of the Psalms, also had a similar experience. You see, David had been anointed or chosen to succeed King Saul, who had turned away from God's will. But before David became king, Saul was hunting him, trying to kill him to maintain the security of his own throne. Uh, Saul was no longer following God's commands, but was more concerned with his own profit and well-being. And it was maybe out of David's experience of hiding out in the caves of the Holy Land that he composed Psalm 138 that Nancy read to us. Uh, the last two verses say this, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies. 
and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. So these Bible VIPs have experienced, had experienced much loneliness, but out of their despair, they experienced something much greater, the radical presence of God. God himself reveals himself to Elijah and says that he's reserved 7,000 people who hadn't bowed down to a false god. And King David is called a man after God's own heart. Eventually, he becomes the king of Israel during the most prosperous time of uh, the children of Israel. Now, perhaps you've experienced something similar in your own life, where God chose to use an apparently negative event or feeling to draw you closer to him. Uh, In fact, for me, the time period when I felt that God was calling me to serve him as a pastor was through one of my loneliest periods in high school. I went through a series of miscommunications. Many of my closest friends turned against me, and it felt like no one was on my side anymore. You see, God brought something good out of something that was apparently bad. Romans 8.28 says that God works all things. That's the good, the bad, and the ugly. For the good of those who who love him and are called according to his purpose. So what that means is that God can bring good out of all bad situations. I'd like you to take just a few seconds with me and do a quick self-evaluation. What is your bad situation? It could be loneliness, or it could be something else entirely. But what is something negative in your life that God can turn into something that glorifies him and works out for your benefit? In your message outline, there's a little line that starts with the word uh, trouble right there. Go ahead and take a few seconds, grab a pencil in front of you, and write down just a word or a phrase that reminds you of something negative that you're facing right now. Now, you and I may not understand how God can use something negative, like that particular thing we wrote down, for his glory and for our benefit. But with assurance, I can tell you this. God has promised that he works all things, every single negative experience that we have, for his glory and for our good. Jesus himself says in John chapter 16 and 33, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Isn't it comforting to know that the God who took on human flesh and who lived as one of us, who was tempted in every way as we were, and who knows our story and the struggle we face better than anyone else in the whole world, looks at our life and the situations that we're facing and says, take heart, be encouraged, lift up your head. In this world, you'll face all sorts of troubles, but I know you more intimately than anyone else in the world and I have overcome the world. It cannot hold you back from my purpose for you. That thing that you're in right now will pass, and it will work out for my glory and for your benefit. So under that Bible verse in your outline, you have a little line that says, solution, right there. In that blank spot, I want you to write this phrase, God's got this. The God who knows us and has experienced firsthand what we're going through has promised that he can change negative things that we're experiencing into things that work out for his glory 
and for our benefit. In fact, he loves us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die, to live perfectly. And even, the, even though he, had, <clears throat> excuse me, he sent his only son, Jesus, to live perfectly, even though he experienced every temptation we face and die the death that we deserved because of our imperfections so that we're given the benefits of his perfect life. So because Jesus died, we're forgiven. And because he rose, we know that we'll one day spend eternity with him in heaven, even after our bodies die. In heaven, we'll experience God's presence all the time. But we can't forget that right now, in this life, we're already living in God's presence. Our eternity began at our baptism. And so <clears throat> we're living in God's presence. I've outlined five things that we can do to live radically in God's presence. I'm trying to follow Dr. Kolb's method and his example. It seems like he always has a list of things that he wants us to do. So I thought, why not? Let's try that. <clears throat> so just to make sure that we're staying on track, I'm going to go back to the sermon in 30 seconds or less. Living radically in God's presence is the cure to the loneliness that we ex all might experience from time to time. Because in his presence, we experience a relationship with him, a Christian community, and the power to love and serve others. So the first thing on that list is a relationship with God. Now, think about the basics of every relationship that, that we experience with our family, with our friends, with our spouse. Every relationship has a basis of communication. No communication, no relationship. If you and I were only to talk with one of our friends or family or spouse every so often, could we really say that we had a relationship with them? Maybe. But that relationship would be so much stronger if we spent time talking with the other person much more often. So the question becomes, how is our communication with God? 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. So when was the last time your prayer life felt more like a conversation that went on all day long rather than just something that you had to check off of your checklist before mealtime or before bedtime? Many of us are in constant communication with somebody for most of the day. With uh, the popularity of Facebook and texting, it's easy to stay connected. But prayer is even easier than Facebook or texting. God is always listening to us. And speaking of listening, did you know that prayer is a two-way communication? Listening to God is the second step to living radically in his presence. God wants to speak to us just like we should want to speak with him. Now, admittedly, it's a lot more difficult to listen to God than it is to speak to him. <clears throat> Maybe you've had this experience. When I read the Bible and, and start hearing about these prophets like Elijah and like David who heard God's voice directly, I get a little bit jealous. I wish God would just speak to me directly. <clears throat> and, and that's not to say that God doesn't speak to people directly today. God's God. He could do whatever he wants. But what I do know is that God has revealed himself to us through his word, the Bible. So if you want to listen to God, here's where you start. One simple method that I use when I'm trying to listen to God is to start with a, a brief Bible passage, nothing too long, maybe a verse or two. And I, I just read it and then spend some time in silence trying to understand what God's trying to say to me through that particular passage. That's not to say that God is... Um, going to tell me something that's uh, contrary to scripture. That's why it's so important to be reading and studying my Bible all the time anyway. But taking some time to try and quiet my mind and hear what God is trying to say to me 
makes it that much more personal. <clears throat> this method doesn't take very long. That's right. Here it is. My little encouragement to all of us. This method doesn't take very long and gives me the chance to try and quiet my mind from the busyness that I encounter and focus on God and his will for me for a little while. The third step to living radically in God's presence is living in Christian or focused fellowship. <clears throat> Jesus himself tells us that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. And also in the Bible, fellowship is defined in Acts 2.42. In this passage, the life and activities of the early church are described this way. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and to prayer. Now, the word fellowship there is a really interesting word. Uh, the way you and I normally use this word is to talk about things that we're pretty familiar with, like going to the movies or having people over for lunch after church, or, or even our church potlucks. All those come to mind when we think of fellowship. The Greek word here has a lot more complex ideas trying to communicate, though. In the original Greek, this word is koinonia. Let me hear you say koinonia. That's pretty good. <clears throat> this word is really fascinating because it has no good English equivalent. It actually means a, a variety of things. But one resource defined it like this. It is coming together, interrelating, becoming a part of each other. A strong bond and tie and communion and commonness and fellowship. Or, to put it a little bit more simply, the message paraphrase of the Bible brings across the meaning of this word with the phrase life together. It, it, it reads like this. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. Life together. Isn't that a, a, a little bit bigger picture than what comes to mind when we think of fellowship? I'd like to propose to you that Christian fellowship is focused fellowship with the purpose of encouraging one another in our walk with God. Christian fellowship is focused fellowship with the purpose of encouraging one another in our walk with God. So what I'm trying to say is don't stop getting together with your church friends for dinner or for a trip to the movies, but rather go to the movies and afterwards talk about the things that the movie brought up that relate to your faith. Or go to lunch with uh, some of your Christian friends and talk about what God is doing in your life right now. Because if we're not engaging with one another on a deeper level outside of this one hour a week, then we might be missing out on focused fellowship that might be able to deepen our relationship with God. Our faith was never meant to be in a box we only use on Sunday. When we exercise our faith through focused fellowship, it can grow stronger. The fourth step to living radically in God's presence is loving slash serving people. Uh, to go back to our key phrase, living radically in God's presence is the cure for the loneliness we all might experience from time to time. Because in his presence, we experience a relationship with him, a Christian community, and the power to love and serve others. Jesus, just before his ascension into heaven, when he was leaving the earth for uh, the last time, before he comes back again in glory, said to his disciples that he would send the Holy Spirit on them, and that they would be clothed with power from on high. Isn't that a cool word picture? Be clothed with power? You and I also have the Spirit living in us. He entered into our lives at our baptism. And so we also share in this power 
to love and serve others. What does loving and serving people look like? Well, we can take a look at Jesus' life for that. The Bible tells us that we love because he first loved us. Jesus himself took on the role of a servant at the last meal he shared with his disciples. And afterwards, he told them, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. That we should be a servant like Jesus was. So loving and serving people is really just following the example that Jesus set before us. Now, you might be asking, how does this connect with loneliness? Well, have you ever noticed how people are drawn to somebody who has a loving personality? It's, it's kind of like those bug zappers that people are just drawn to, or that bugs are just drawn to. It's so pretty. <laughs> there I go, making a joke, and I've lost my place. <laughs> We all crave to be loved by someone, and if somebody is loving and serving people unconditionally like Jesus did, then people take notice. Now, I want to be careful to make a distinction between what I was talking about in Christian fellowship and this aspect of loving and serving people. You see, not everyone that we meet has a relationship with Christ in their life yet, and who knows when our living radically in God's presence by loving and serving somebody could actually help them to have a relationship with God. And this is why it's so important for us to be spiritually fed through a close relationship with God, through communicating with Him regularly, and also by being in focused fellowship in our Christian community so we can lift each other up. Because if we aren't being fueled through these ways, we on our own won't have the strength to be able to love and serve others. Now the final step I want to talk about is a situational one. If we've gone through these previous steps of communicating with God and engaging in Christian fellowship and loving and serving people, and we still feel like we're experiencing loneliness, then it might be time for us to take an honest look at ourselves and figure out what have I been doing to either encourage or hinder God's work in me, or what can I change about what I've been doing so God can use me to overcome the loneliness in my life. So, why follow these steps? Well, to use a phrase that may be familiar to you by now, when the things God created do what they were created to do, it's good. And what I mean by this is this. You and I were created to be in relationship with God, to live in Christian community, and to love and serve others. <clears throat> when we begin to live this way, our lives automatically line up with the way God designed the world to be in the first place. When we're living this way, we'll be living the abundant life, and our lives will be more full. Now, the full life doesn't mean that you and I will have uh, lives that are free of conflict or worry or strife. We'll still experience loneliness and lots of other negative things. Just like Jesus said, in this world, you'll have trouble. But our lives will be more full of joy because we're living the way that God calls us to. In fact, there's even some scientific evidence that living the way God wants you to can actually have some earthly benefits. Studies have shown that people who live in close community and have friends are 50% more likely to live longer than those who do not. So it can actually be better for your health to live the way that God wants you to. Go figure. Now I could stand up here and talk even longer about the abundant life and how living radically in God's presence is the cure for the loneliness we all might experience from time to time because in his presence we experience a relationship with him, a Christian community, and the power to love and serve others. 
Y'all are totally sick of that phrase by now, aren't you? By the polite chuckles, I'm going to take that as a yes. <laughs> the truth of the matter, though, is that if we come to Sunday, come to church on Sunday, and it doesn't affect the rest of our week somehow, there's something wrong. Therefore, I've devised a little challenge for us this week. And I'm going to be participating in this challenge, too. I'm not in any way exempt from this. I know we're all busy people, so I tried to design this challenge so we can live it out on our, in our lives on the go. The first challenge is the five minutes a day, 35 minutes a week challenge for us to spend five minutes a day, which is 35 minutes a week, listening to God. It's fairly easy for us to come to God with our requests and totally forget about listening to God. And I have this tendency to do this all the time. <clears throat> so this week, I'm going to start with reading a brief Bible verse or two, and then spending five minutes, at least five minutes, trying to listen to what God is trying to tell me through those Bible passages. And I encourage you to do the same too. The second challenge is the fellowship chat challenge. Uh, what I'd like us all to do at some point this week is be in deeper conversation with another Christian. It doesn't necessarily have to be somebody from First Lutheran. It could be another one of your Christian friends. But I have uh, two sample questions that I'm going to use. One is, if it's somebody from another church that doesn't know about our five-minute challenge, is, what has God been doing in your life lately? Or if it's somebody from First Lutheran, I could ask them, what has your five minutes a day been showing you? And the third challenge is the intentional act of kindness challenge. As opposed to a random act of kindness, I want us all to be intentionally loving and serving someone in the name of Jesus. And this could be in line, at the store, or at work, or anywhere. But at some point this week, I want us to be intentionally loving or serving someone for Jesus. Because we never know when that may open up a door of opportunity for us to tell someone about how amazing it is to live radically in God's presence. I'd like to pray for us, that we might all be able to eagerly pray and listen to God, and that we might be excited about living in Christian community with one another, and also that we might boldly love and serve people in Jesus' name. Please pray with me. Lord God, we're just so thankful for being able to come here this morning for, uh, especially God, for who you are and for the things that you've done. Lord, you are beyond our ability to describe you and the, the writers of the Bible even had trouble doing that. Lord, we just ask that you would fill our lives, and especially that you would give us an extra measure of the Holy Spirit this week, that we might be able to <clears throat> live out the way that you have called us to, that we might be eager and excited about listening to you and, and praying to you and being in communication with you throughout our days, and that we might also uh, be excited about living in Christian community with one another, that we might be able to encourage one another the way that you designed us to. And also, God, we, we ask that you would give us the power to, to boldly love and serve people in your name, and that that might open up opportunities for us to tell people about the reason for the hope that we have, that it's all because of you that we do these things, God. We lift all these things up to you in your son's name. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. And with that, we respond through our affirmation of faith, and uh, I think it would be appropriate that we stand. 
I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. As we uh, prepare to uh, gather.